Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is October 28th, 2016. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the editor and site expert over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And we've got a very busy show, very packed show for you today. This Friday to close out the week, we'll be previewing both games that the Magic are playing uh, this weekend, starting tonight, Friday night, against the Detroit Pistons. And then we'll have Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs on to talk uh, a, long, a little bit lengthier about uh, Saturday's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So very, very, very busy show. And then I'll wrap it up, talk a little bit about ESPN's ultimate rankings if uh, if we have a little bit of time here at the end to close out the week. Sorry, there's no mini mailbag this week. I forgot to send out the request. We'll be sure to do that again next week. So be sure to send your questions to the Locked On Magic podcast uh, by tweeting your questions at Locked On Magic. You can also tweet them to at Daily. Uh, but keep them on Locked On Magic if you want to make sure they're answered on the show. Uh, you can also email your questions to omagicdaily at gmail.com. Like I said, a busy, busy show today. The Orlando Magic taking on the Detroit Pistons. Second game of the season. A chance for a little bit of redemption. Um, You you hear what the Orlando Magic had to say after Wednesday's game and and then at practice today or Thursday uh, before they left for Michigan. uh, And it was not a good sight. Um, It was a team that did not play up to their potential, did not play the way they know how they want to play. Uh, and so it was very disappointing to leave the Amway Center with that 12-point loss with the kind of effort that they gave. Gave um, In some respects, it's kind of amazing they only lost by 12 points with, with the way they played, especially in that third quarter where the offense was, was terrible. The defense was even worse, giving up 70-plus points in the paint. Uh, it was a difficult, difficult, difficult game to watch for the Magic, difficult game to stomach, uh, and certainly they feel that they'll be better when they get Bismack Biombo back, which they'll have him back on Friday. Uh, and uh, it was there's definitely a sense that he could have helped them in a lot of ways. Uh, but the magic just didn't play up to their up to their standards, up to the standards they they want to play at. And, and that much was made clear uh, with the way they analyzed the loss after reviewing the tape on Thursday. We didn't respect uh, the game plan like coach asked us to do. We didn't do it. You know, we didn't do the way coach asked us to do. So that's happened. That's what happened when you don't respect the, the game plan because the game plan is very important. That's that's why we got a lot of coaches here. They spend a lot, a lot of time watching tapes, working on the game plan, so we can uh, work on it. And when you don't do it, that's what happened like last night. Pretty harsh words from Serge Ibaka on the team, and, and Serge Ibaka certainly had some harsh words for himself. He said later on uh, in his availability on Thursday that uh, he was not happy with the way that he played and, and was not uh, and, and felt that he could have done better, and that was certainly an observation that, that many had. Uh, I certainly uh, would agree with that assessment, uh, but we expect a lot more from Serge Ibaka with, with, what's, with what his role on the team has to be. And so the Magic 
get something of a second chance, I guess you can call it that, and going up against the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons, of course, have Andre Drummond, one of the best rebounders in the league, a guy who's going to really test that interior defense once again. They've also got you know our favorite friend, Tobias Harris, uh, as well as some other great players, Stan Van Gundy, of course. But Detroit themselves are coming off of their own disappointing effort uh, on Wednesday, falling to the Toronto Raptors 109-91. to now, in that game, you know, you had the typical, you had some typical performances. Andre Drummond, 16 points, but only six rebounds. Tobias Harris, 22 points. Marcus Morris, 17. But other than that, the Pistons weren't very good. And they were even worse on the defensive end, where, you know, that's a big Stan Van Gundy thing. They gave up 47.7% shooting, only three of 18 from beyond the arc, but gave up 29 free throw attempts to the Raptors. They were down 10. Uh, starting in the first quarter and never really got into the game. The Raptors beat them in every single quarter through the game. Toronto just dominated them, and, and Toronto's a better team. And you know, most people would most people would would tell me would tell me, but you know, the Magic got dominated by a weaker Miami team, and that may be objectively true. Uh, but uh, Detroit did not do what they needed to do, and St. Van Gundy had choice words about his team's defense following the game. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how Detroit comes out and how they match up with this Magic team. Marcus Morris is a stretch four, very similar to Serge Ibaka, at least offensively in some ways. This is this is a team that, that could be very much a mirror image of what the Magic are trying to do. They're starting Ish Smith at point guard, which will be a challenge for Alfred Payton. Ish Smith has had good games against Alfred Payton in the past, keeping him out of the lane, keeping him from... Um, getting assists and creating opportunities for others is going to be a big task for the Magic, as well as attacking him on the offensive end for Magic. For the Magic, Alfred Payton was one of the better players uh, for the Magic on Wednesday. He's got to stay in attack mode like he was in the first half to to really set the table for the Magic and give them the opportunity to succeed. Looking at this game, it you know the Magic can't feel like this isn't an opportunity for a win. Yes, Detroit will have the home have the opening night ceremonies and, and have the emotions of that going on, but this is really an opportunity to score of this is all as, as any game is an opportunity to score a victory. They're not getting Detroit at their at their fullest, and, and I'm someone that believes in Detroit. I think that that they're a pretty certain playoff team and probably in the in the running to get home court advantage as as a four seed in the East, um, despite the loss of Toronto. It's just one game, of course, but. It's going to be uh, like Detroit's finding out that defense is a process. The Magic are too. And, you know, Miami seemed like they caught lightning in a bottle. Everything seemed to click for them. That could happen for Orlando on Friday just as much as it happened for Miami on Wednesday. It could happen for Detroit on Friday as much as it happened for Miami on Wednesday. You, you just never know with these early games. And so you don't want to take too much out of it. But what the Magic need to do, the Magic need to focus on themselves. It's it's less about guarding Drummond. It's less about Guarding, guarding Tobias Harris, you certainly want to tweak some things to make sure that you're covering them the right way and getting them to do what you want them, want what you want them to do. But it's more about making sure the Magic establish their base and do what they're supposed to do, and that's defend, keep guys out of the paint, corral, trap, uh, you know, switch when when it's called for, protect the rim, rebound, get out and transition. Those are the things they didn't do against Miami, and the reason why they got pummeled in the paint like they did. If the Magic can keep those paint points down, control the offensive glass especially, they'll be able to get out in transition and that will help the offense. I, I, I've had a lot of people complain to me about the Magic's poor offense. Yes, the Magic's offense was bad and Frank Vogel said it was a simple lack of execution. It wasn't just that they were playing against that defense. They just weren't executing well. Uh, and, and the fact that they were, weren't getting stops hurt them more because they couldn't get those easy baskets. 
the Magic will be better, should should be better on the offensive end, and they need to be better, more importantly, on the defensive end if they want to have a chance in this game because the task on Saturday is that much more difficult facing the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavaliers will actually be playing the Raptors uh, on Friday night in Toronto, uh, so the Magic have a little, maybe, you know, they'll, they'll catch Cleveland on a back-to-back there, uh, but Cleveland looked a little sloppy at times. You know, the shots weren't falling as much as, as you would expect. Uh, but Cleveland looked very good against the New York Knicks in their opener on Tuesday. And with that in mind, with that game coming up Saturday, we sat down with Chris Manning of Locked on Cavs for a little bit of a crossover podcast. Uh, and so we'll play that inter- that uh, discussion about Saturday's game right now. Hey, Philip, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing good. So this is another Locked On Network crossover. Uh, it's Locked On Cavs and Locked On Magic. These two teams are obviously playing each other over the weekend. Um, and so we're going to do a preview of that game. There are two teams, I think it'd be fair to say, Philip, that they're in different spectrums of the Eastern Conference. The Cavs are atop the East. The Magic are a team that I think if everything goes right, they you know, may be in the playoff hunt. But, uh, you know, it's an early season matchup, and I think both teams are pretty interesting in their own right. Uh, I would certainly think so. I mean, the Magic, obviously, will probably get into this, had a summer of sorts. And uh, the Cavs also had a had a celebratory summer. And uh, I think both teams are trying to do more, of course, with Cleveland. It's trying to repeat a championship. And for the Magic, it's just to get the pleasure of being swept by the Cavs in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a fun way of looking at it. But... Someone's got to do it. Someone's yeah. got to take that hit. <laughs> Yeah, personally, the the most fun one would be the Wizards because we haven't seen uh, Cavs Wizards <laughs> yeah. in a while, and that's I'm always down for rehashing the, the those old rivalries. Can, but can Gilbert can Gilbert Arena suit up for that suit up for that series, please? Yeah, let's get Gilbert back. I mean, he apparently needs money from what I've read lately. He's like broke or something like that. He had to take his kids out of private school or something. So uh, maybe he, maybe he needs that ten day back up John Wall for like 200 grand and we'll call it a day for, for Gilbert Arenas. But um, former Orlando Magic, great Gilbert Arenas. With great, former Orlando Magic, great. Yeah, with Best great, planker on the team. Yeah, with great with great and severe air quotes. But we look at uh, the Magic and we look at the Cavs and they're, as I said, they're teams that are, they do different things, they're in different places. Um, Philip, just because we haven't previewed the Magic on, on my show, uh, they had a crazy offseason. I mean, just all the guys they added, you get Frank Vogel, who I love, uh, you trade Victor Oladipo, and you get you get Serge Ibaka back. How, what do you make of how they change over the summer? And are they better off than they were last year? Uh, I think I think the Magic made had this kind of clear goal in mind when they made all these moves for the summer. It was all kind of working toward this goal. And so when people tell me, "Oh, I'm confused by what the Magic did," this is the context I put it in. The Magic, ever since trading Dwight Howard, have missed the playoffs. It's been four years since they were last in the playoffs, and it actually believe it or not, ties for the longest playoff drought in the Magic's 27-year franchise history. So this is not a team that's used to being you know, less than mediocre like this for a very, very long time. And so the Magic, I think, desperate probably isn't the right word, but they're, they, they, they feel this urgency to become better. And so they looked at the landscape of the NBA, and they looked at really what they've always said they wanted to be, and that's a versatile, defensive, athletic team. And they said the best bet for us to get into the playoffs is to just be really, really good at defense. I mean, last year, 10 of the top 11 teams in terms of defensive rating made the playoffs. The one that didn't is Utah Jazz, who missed by a game because Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert and seemingly half the team were injured toward the end of the season. 
So the Magic just made this huge bet that if we load up on defense, if we bring in a guy like Serge Ibaka, uh, you know, trading away some assets, but bringing a veteran like Serge Ibaka, get a little bit more experience too, uh, sign, go out and sign Bismack Biombo, that we can get punch our ticket to the Eastern Conference playoffs. And then as far as developing for the future, we'll, we'll cross that road once we accomplish this short-term goal. Uh, that's kind of the context that I see the moves the Magic made. Whether they accomplish that or not, I think is certainly up for a very legitimate and very real debate. Yeah, that's. I think that's a good way to look at it. I think that's a more uh, clear view than I think that what we have gotten from some of how we've looked at this team like in a broader analysis sense. Uh, because I think a lot of people, myself included, have just been sort of confused uh, because it doesn't seem to all sort of work together in an interesting way. But I, I like some of it, to be honest with you. I love Frank Vogel. I thought he was a very underrated coach that you know did a lot of really good things with those Pacers teams that he had, even with the Paul George injury and whatnot. Um, and you know, I, I do like the Ibaka trade. I think Oladipo and Peyton weren't exactly a great pairing. And I think if you, ha- he's easily the more tradable one. Um, some of it is interesting. I, and I love Aaron Gordon. I love Evan Fournier, no Google himself. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I like, I like some of what's there and I, I'm intrigued to kind of see, I'm going to be at the game in Cleveland on Saturday covering it. I'm intrigued to see them up, up, up and close in person. Yeah. And, and it's, and they're just so really, they're still kind of this, interesting mix of, of young guys and veter and some vet and obviously they've added some some veterans and it's it's just not clear quite yet how it all comes together because that offensive piece isn't quite there and, and obviously people look at that because that's kind of where the highlights are and you know I think there are still questions of, of fit you know much like that Peyton Oladipo question was was do those two fit together because neither of them can shoot a jumper the questions now can you move Aaron Gordon to the three and have him develop into what he can develop into or what he's supposed to be. You know, can you run a, a, a team with these three centers with, you know, may, with maybe even Bismack Biombo pushing Nikola Vucevic for minutes again? Uh, all these questions are, are running through there. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, you know, this is still just a team that needs to develop. I mean, they need Aaron Gordon to turn into something. They need Alfred Payton to turn into something. Uh, and they don't really have that galvanizing star. So, you know, when I look at why people are questioning the magic, a lot of it is because there's just so much unknown to how this thing is, is going to play out and how these these critical players are going to develop in, in, in these roles that they're playing. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good way to look at it. I think the roles thing to me is what I what I worry yeah. about. Uh, because, you know, you sign Jeff Green who obviously uh, has his set of issues, but I, you know, it, it takes if it takes away Aaron Gordon at the four with the other frontcourt guys they have, that's an issue. Uh, Vucevic doesn't have an exactly a ideal fit in this team. You have Biombo and Ibaka, which seems sort of redundant. Um, you know, you there are just those kind of issues there. Fournier has to play such a big role. You know, is Mario Hazonia gonna play? Um, there's, those are some interesting questions that you have about the roles. And I think that's a that's a smart way of looking at. I think the sort of confusion there. It's more about role more than what do these guys actually like do it's just like how do you put them in the right situations where they actually will have something to do that fits what they're actually good at yeah and i mean you i mean when you look at a team you know and and i like when i do you know believe it or not i do get people who uh come to me on on twitter on on twitter and social media and say you know how is this magic team going to beat the Cavs? and i'm like "We're, we're not even in the same league i mean you look at you look at cleveland and you know a team like Cleveland, who's at the very, very top of the league, everyone knows exactly what they're what they're supposed to do and what they're going to do, and that's what makes them so good. That the roles are very clearly defined. They have some ability to be flexible within them, but at the end of the day, everyone kind of falls into into place. And 
you know, when I look at what Cleveland did coming off a championship, how how does that team evolve? How, how, how does that team get to the next step, especially keeping so many of the same guys when, you know, their chief competition in Golden State, you know, out west did what they did? It's interesting. Um, I think, one, you have to bet on some internal improvement. I think a full mm-hmm. year of healthy Kyrie Irving the regular season certainly helps. Um, I think you hope Amon Shumpert really is better this year after not being good at all last year and him having his own injury issues. Um, and I think one other, the big one really would be Kevin Love. I mean, we, in two years have, I think everyone would kind of understand that it hasn't exactly been a seamless process with Love and the Cavs. Um, it has been sort of up and down and it has been sort of dramatic and they've, that has just been a thing. But when you look at where they are now, he mentally, ever since they won the title, he has seemed more relaxed. He has seemed more like a guy who's enjoying being here. Um, I think Tyron Lue has been a big help with him because Lue was the one who really told him to be aggressive. LeBron said it, yes, but Lue connected with Love and was like, you need to call for the ball. You need to go down on the post and get it. Um, and, it, you know, it's early in the season still, but we're seeing uh, Kevin Love with bench units where he is kind of the playing a Minnesota-esque role in those lineups. They're not for, you know, 10 minutes like it maybe be when he was with the Wolves and averaging 25 and 12, but he's getting to do some of those things in an organic way we haven't seen before. And that's, I think, when we can prove it diversifies the offense and makes things sort of flow easier. I mean, I can't... When I was, when I was at the season opener um, and I was watching them play, it was the first time I had felt like I had watched the Cavs and, and they were actually functioning in a way that they weren't really trying to do one thing or hitting things over the head with a hammer. They were just sort of doing these little things that were very simple, but it was all just coming so smooth. And yeah, the Knicks aren't the best team in the world, but they weren't really for having to force all these things on on top of what they're doing. It all just sort of worked. And I think with the growth, I think if you can keep that style of play for the year with LeBron even taking a step back a little bit and saving myself for the playoffs, I think that's a way you can improve and hit that next level. And I also just think if there's any team and any specific star player that is going to have a chance of beating those Warriors and is going to be motivated and just sucked into the idea of beating those Warriors, it's LeBron James. Yeah, I mean, uh, I watched I watched uh, Tuesday's game as well, and it just felt like they just kind of, I mean, it felt very natural and, and, and you know, everything seemed to flow really well for them. It just... You know, I, I guess my question, my, my next, my next thought or question would be: Did did winning a championship, getting that monkey off their back, kind of relax everyone to say, "Oh, we can do this"? Yeah, I I can't even, I don't even like believe that they would they've really addressed that or said that directly. But I just you listen to them talk, you listen to the body language. I think so. I think to use love as an example, um, last year there was a game. Where they're, I think they're playing in Sac. They're playing the Kings, and I think it was in Sacramento where he had hadn't played that well. It was a closer game than it should have been because the Cavs were definitely much better than the Kings. Um, and he hit this three in the corner. One of his, I think it was one of the only two or three threes he hit in that game, and it was a big three. It gave them some momentum going into a timeout. And as you're coming off the court, you see J.R. Smith and Kyrie Irving celebrating that three. Uh, they're doing the air guitars. They are just really enjoying themselves. And Kevin Love is walking up the court and isn't smiling, doesn't join in the celebration, and just looks really, really miserable. Um, you know, he he kind of didn't look happy in the finals all the time. And then the moment they won, you saw this change where they were all very relaxed. Love shows up to the parade with smoking a cigar, uh, got the two wrestling championship belts on his shoulders. And I think you just see them now. I think they just they they, they know they accomplished what they set out to do. No one's really expecting them to do it again. They they got through 
a lot in those two, last two years, and I think they do. They feel freed uh, by what happened. I think they're still driven to win. I think LeBron is still very still feels slighted by people. I still think he wants to certainly win again, and I think he certainly wants people to take him seriously because he's LeBron. I think they they do think they're going to win the title again, but I think that first one took so much pressure over, and I think it opened up the possibility for some interesting scenarios. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I could certainly tell that, and it's just one, you know, in, in my one-game conclusion uh, from from Tuesday, uh, it just, it, 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 it must be so nice to be playing for championships. I, I miss that. I miss that. <laughs> um, it's, <laughs> it's been it's, too long. Yeah, it's certainly, um, covering a team that has those expectations, it certainly makes the regular season a different animal to cover, because mm-hmm. I don't feel like I have that many of these burning questions about them this regular season. Like, is it are they going to make a trade? Is it... Uh, they're going to, you know, incorporate love more. Is LeBron going to rest? Do they have a backup point guard? Like these aren't the same type of questions that I that if like a team like Orlando is answering, it's like, okay, is is Mario Hazonia going to take a step up? Is Aaron Gordon developing at the rate we want him to? Those are like more layered, complex questions that I think are kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I like. I mean, I remember when I was covering when I was at least writing about the the, the 2010 Magic team that that lost to the Celtics in the conference finals. It was like they'd win games and I'd be miserable that they won because they didn't win it doing the things they needed to do. They were just, you know, you're you're so, you know, teams like that are so good that they don't need to play perfect every night to, to win. Whereas, like, I mean, I, I don't know how much you want to get into Wednesday's Magic game, but Wednesday the Magic did not do any of the things they needed to do and look like a lottery team. But at the same time, like, there were moments in that game where, like, this team, if they can play like that longer, and, and I know they can because I've seen it in the preseason a little bit, if they can play at a higher level longer with a more focused energy, they, they can really compete with that, compete with everyone, but you just can't rely on them to do it every single time. And that's, I think, to me, like when I think of what the difference is between great teams and kind of the mediocre teams, it's, it's consistency and putting the right player in the right role. Like I, I, I say this all the time, like about Evan Fournier, Evan Fournier on, on the Cavs is probably a really nice third, fourth option. And he can be really successful, but asking him to be your team's top scorer every night, you're probably not going to win a lot of games doing that. Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty fair. Um, I think, you know, I look at this magic team uh, and I, I, I think, you know, it's early in the season. They're still kind of figuring some things out, but I think there's the potential there for that, for them to do some stuff with the Cavs that I think is interesting. Um, you know, like for one, you know, I think one of the things the Cavs have done early in the season, they did this a lot in the finals is they're running these Kyrie Irving, LeBron James pick and rolls. So you have Kyrie and LeBron, one of them setting a screen for the other one and it creates these mismatches. I, I'm not going to say like that Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton can really stop LeBron and Kyrie, but like I think like Gordon, if, the, if he switched on to Kyrie, I think he's agile enough to defend Kyrie, and I think like you know the Magic aren't perfect, and I don't think Wednesday's game, uh, you know, really made me think okay this team like has stuff figured out or like and it's so early because you just don't know, but I, I think there's some little things there, and and I'm I was at least and they lost to the Heat, but like at least there's some stuff there to me that that was intriguing enough where I'm not, I don't want to completely just like ignore them. Like I, I think in my head, I already, there's, there's certainly teams that I'm like, do I really need to watch them? It's like, I just don't know. And I feel like Orlando, at least there's enough there where I am going to want to watch some of that. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a big thing that the, the, the magic are kind of banking on right now. And I think a big reason why magic fans are really excited and optimistic about this team. I mean, 
you know, we all get, you know, as, as everyone does, I think that we get yelled at when we, you know, by, by our followers, when we kind of are trying to be very level-headed with, with our teams. But, um, you know, with, a, with you know, like, I, this is what I said coming out of the, the Serge Ibaka deal in the summer. When the Magic traded Victor Oladipo for Serge Ibaka, it hurt a lot of fans because Victor was essentially the, the face of the franchise. Um, the, he was the highest draft pick that they had, that they had accumulated in this, in this rebuild and all that. Uh, and I said, you know, they traded Victor Oladipo and got back a player with an elite skill. Whether whether we want, want to admit it or not, uh, Serge Ibaka has an elite skill, and that's something the Magic need needed more of. They need guys who can do things at an elite level. Um, you know, certainly Ibaka's stats have fallen off, and and it, and it seems like his defense is falling off. And so there's, you know, I think a, a major question or a major uh, a major uh, hope that by giving him a larger role in the offense or relying on him more you know, taking away the, the Durant-Westbrook dynamic that Ibaka can either return to those those numbers and, and be focused or reach a level that he that he hasn't reached before. And it, it, that's, that's obviously a huge risk to take too, but um, that's the kind of risk that, that the Magic needed to take to, to bring in someone that can do something that very few people in this league can do. Yeah, I think that's certainly like, fair. Um, I think you look at I think you look at like Evan Fournier, for example, I think you see a guy who is very skilled. They got like, he's a good player. Who's going to really, really work. I think wherever he plays, I think he, he does things that just make sense. Like he just does things as a shooter, as a ball handler, as a smart defender that just makes sense in this NBA. He fills gaps. That's, that's I like, like, I like, that's how I describe it. Like he's, he's, he probably don't want him like taking guys one-on-one off the dribble. But you you send him the ball on a ball reversal, and while the defense is rotating to him, he's going to attack it and make the right and make the right play. Whether it's you know attacking it and pulling up for a mid range jumper, or getting all the way to the rim, or or attacking and, and passing it to the next guy, yeah. uh, he's rarely going to make a mistake. What do you think uh, is the thing the Magic do? What that the, what do you think they do that that the what is their best? How do I phrase this? I guess <laughs> I can't even talk. What are they best at? Uh, right now, that's very, very hard to say because um, they like I, a lot of people, and, and I think even the Magic said this at one point. Think the preseason is too long. I think the Magic needed more preseason. I, I don't. I just. I didn't. Don't com- feel like they're completely ready for real games yet. And, and Wednesday kind of proved me right uh, on some respects. Um, they just haven't really had the time to come together. I think ultimately, ideally. What they're best at is defense. I mean, we've talked about Frank Vogel and the impact that he can have. Uh, you know, he's coached a top ten defense all, you know, six pretty much all five years that he's coached uh, as a head coach in the NBA. Um, that's that's his calling card. And you bring in Serge Ibaka, you bring in Bismack Biombo, you have Aaron Gordon. That should mean you have a really really good defense. And what I think the Magic hope will happen is that they'll, like I said before. They'll be a top ten defense, and that's their ticket into the playoffs. That you know their offense will figure things out. But right now, they need their defense to be their calling card. And I think what's been most concerning through the preseason is they just don't look like they're on the same page yet. I mean, it's you know I'm sure like the the thing that concerns me Saturday against the Cavs, for instance, is Cleveland has so much continuity, and not only are they a really really good team, but they have so much continuity. They look like they're they're playing at a pretty high level already. And the Magic just aren't there yet. I mean, they they they're they're still a step. They're still kind of a step off of where they need to be uh, on both ends of the floor, really. And that's uh, 
that's that's something that's going to take some time to develop and and the hope that the as the magic say is that it doesn't take too long or that they can win while they're doing it uh because you know right now their defense goes through stage goes through stages and it was true in the preseason just like it was true on wednesday it goes through stages where they don't make the right switch when they're supposed to or a guy gets by gets by someone and the help isn't quite there yet or the help the helper isn't quite there yet and so it's it's they're still learning these schemes and still coming together so it's hard to tell what they're supposed to be right now other than what we think they're supposed to be let's let when they get everybody back because biombo obviously missed the start of the year with the suspension um what, what do you think is the ideal rotation for this team and who who are some of the guys that i think if you're gonna say okay saturday Cavs fans you're gonna watch the magic who are like three guys Cavs fans really should be paying attention to I mean, they'll probably run. It's looking like they're going to run a nine-man rotation. Um, you know, I think the Magic really missed Bismack Biombo on Wednesday. Um, during the preseason, he was just this, you know, ball of energy. Um, you know, uh, he just plays with so much exuberance, and and he comes onto the floor and just immediately kind of mixes things up. And the Magic really missed that. I mean, they're these are kind of a lot of these guys are still kind of like quiet, passive guys. Um, Personality-wise, they're just kind of more reserved. And Biombo's just, you know, much more exuberant. I mean, Victor Oladipo was much the same way, but, you know, maybe not as impactful with his rim protection. Uh, and the Magic certainly could have used uh, some of his rim protection, seeing as they gave up 70 points in the paint to the Heat on, on Wednesday. Um, the next guy, I, I, I think Aaron Gordon, you know, everyone knows about his dunking and his athleticism and all that. Um, he has really showed signs that he's expanded his game a little bit more. Like, he's he's he had a couple threes on Wednesday. He's becoming a little bit more of a threat off the dribble. Um, they're not quite giving him the ball to run pick and rolls quite yet. Uh, but Gordon, especially in transition, is a really, really scary prospect. And it looks like he's grown his game uh, in a way, grown his game this summer. And he's he's had to deal with a sprained ankle at the beginning of training camp and still looks like he's starting to round back into shape shape from that. Uh, but he's someone that, that, you'll, that you could watch and, and see some growth. And honestly, the last guy I would say is, is you know, Nikola Vucevic. I mean, I think a lot of people think they know what, what they have in Nikola Vucevic, uh, where he's just kind of a double-double guy, but you're not going to rely on him a lot for defense. Um, his defense this entire, this entire season so far has really impressed me. He's, he's done better getting into position and stopping dribble penetration and, and trying to track back. He's not the rim protector that, that you maybe want in, in elite defense, but He's been playing at a pretty high level, and if and if he can keep that offense up, uh, you know his defense is isn't going to be the, as big of a concern as as we might have thought, or as it, as it was in, in previous seasons. Yeah, I think those are the guys I would have. I think I would have singled out too, to be quite honest. Um, I, I like I like a lot of the guys in this roster. I'm not super high on Peyton, but I do like kind of like everyone you mentioned there. Uh, except there again, I think there are really guys that. On, on the Magic that are good players that fit in this NBA that are really, really headed to uh, to some really interesting places. Yeah, and it feels it feels like this this Magic roster, and I, th- I think it was this way, you know, even before the summer, even before all the deals that they made, um, it, it feels like this Magic roster has a lot of players that you're like, I really like this guy. I, he's, he's a good player. He's got to fit somewhere in the NBA, but they just don't fit together well. Uh, and that's yeah. that's just kind of the 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 lot that you know the Magic haven't been able to figure out how to team build quite yet uh, with with the group that they've had to draft and they've had to acquire through um, through this rebuild. Uh, you know, I, you know, I guess from from my perspective, for for Magic fans watching the game on on 
Saturday, aside from the guys we already know, like what's different you know, about this Cavs team that that's maybe changed since June that, that Magic fans should be should be looking out for. So I, for me, I think the things that are different, uh, for one, you, the backup point guard situation is sort of interesting because deli has gone. Um, so now the uh, Mon Schumpert's the backup point guard, which has its own set of uh, issues. Um, but, <laughs> is he going to be? Is he going to be healthy by by yeah, Saturday? He should play Friday. Okay. Um, at the okay. time we recorded this, you know, it's it's uh, if you're listening to this on Saturday, we're recording this a little bit on Thursday, so. Uh, there's a chance that you know the something could have changed by then, so you will have to just you know read through the sword and find out. But um, he should be cleared. It, you know, it was weird because when I watched him smack his head on uh, Porzingis, I was like, yeah, he's probably not going to play until next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it looks like he's going to play. K. Feller's going to play too, and there, there's sort of okay, a position good. battle going um, going on there between those guys. Kind of, I think they're leaning Shumpert. Um, Dunleavy, uh, Mike Dunleavy offers them something different off the bench as a shooter that I think is really useful. Um, and I, I think sort of the big thing that we hit on before, I think they're just playing more fluid. Um, they just are more relaxed, and I, I think it's a lot of the same faces, like kind of like we talked about, but um, they just seem more fluid. They seem more relaxed. It's not going to be – it doesn't seem like there's a chance of a Cavs night where they might just be off and kind of aloof and just have one of those like really bad games that they were prone to. Um, that doesn't seem as possible to me right now. The other thing I would say is Saturday is the first test in – uh, what we're really going to see out of LeBron in terms of rest this year. I don't expect him to rest that early, but it's, a, it's the second half of a back-to-back. They'll have been traveling back from Toronto. I think later in the year he might rest this game, and if they're going to really, really rest him all year, third game of the season uh, would be like that. That's just the type of game where he might do it. I think it's too early to really go that route, but um, it's certainly something that I think he may not play as many minutes. And you're just going to see a Cavs team, I think, that is sort of – they're playing. They're gonna. They're gonna be really good, but I don't think they're gonna maybe push as hard or seem as uptight as they might have last year. Yeah, and and of course, if if this if Saturday's game goes like uh, most of the games against the Cavs last year between the Magic and the Cavs and and the preseason game, I don't think LeBron will have to play very much anyway. Um, <laughs> um, especially especially with the. I mean, like I, I know I, I, my I like my concern is this Magic defense is not together quite yet, and Cleveland can go flying death machine on you if, if you're not careful. And so, uh, you know, I, you know, if you're a team like the magic to beat a team like the Cavs, you got to be pretty close to perfect, even, even in the regular season, I think. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty, that's pretty reasonable. Um, I'll ask you this, and this is kind of the, the one thing, and we touched on this a little bit. Um, how, how would you go about like trying to defend the Cavs? Like what would your strategy sort of be? And would you try anything funky? Like, and who do you have defending LeBron? Well, I I put Aaron Gordon on on LeBron. I, I mean, I think that I mean that's your best that's your best bet. Um, I might, you know, I the big thing if if I if I'm the Magic is you got to get back. You can't you can't let them get out in transition. You got to make them execute in, in the half court. And um, you know, the the bet there being they're more they're less likely to to beat you in the half court than in in in, in transition. Um, and that means you got to be really disciplined with your shot selection. You've got to selectively go after the offensive glass, uh, and you've got to be really talking. You got to be talking a lot to slow down the break and make sure someone's on the ball, someone's got your help. You know, you got to really be on the ball with what you're what you're doing. And so I think stopping I think stopping transition points is is absolutely is absolutely critical to, to slowing down the Cavs. I think 
the best way to kind of beat them is, is maybe is probably to limit possessions as much as you can. I know Frank Vogel has said uh, he wants this team to run, and I don't know if that necessarily means picking, you know, having more possessions or picking up the pace. Uh, but I do think that means you run when you can. But if you can't, you run through your stuff. You you be very careful. You know, you don't be not aggressive. Like you don't be conservative with your shot selection. But you kind of use your offense to keep the ball away from the Cavs as, as much as you can. Um, the Magic should be a decent offensive rebounding team with with the centers that they have. Uh, so you know you rely on them to get you get you possessions. And you know unless there's a clear putback, you send it back out and reset the 24 second shot clock and try and just slow them down and kind of bog them down in an, in an ugly game that way and take your chances at the end. Yeah. Do you think? Um... Do you think it helps though to that, like in terms of what there could be in a year or two, that Vogel, um, Vogel is a guy who did coach against LeBron before. Like, do you think that plays a factor in all what he'll do? Um, yeah, I, I think I think it will. I mean, I think I think Vogel does have a good understanding of what kind of defenses can be successful in the NBA at, at a high level. I mean, it, you look at the teams that he's turned into kind of defensive juggernauts. They're 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 actually quite different. I mean, you had Roy Hibbert who mastered verticality at first. And then when he kind of slowed off, you know, he went to Jan Mahimi and turned Jan Mahimi and, and Jordan Hill and even a, a, a guard heavy defensive rotation into a pretty strong defensive team. And so, you know, I think there's this narrative that perhaps he isn't, that Vogel isn't flexible, that he, you know, wants things run a certain way or he has a system. But I, I think, I don't think that's true. I think he's very, very versatile. He has some very baseline tenets and, and principles that he wants coached that he can work around with his roster to to reach that goal that that he wants or that or have that goal get achieved. Um, and so I think you know he got to. I think he did get to help kind of handpick this this Magic team a little bit or at least influence how this team gets formed this season at least. Uh, but um, I think I think he's capable of you know, adjusting his defense. And, and I think his defensive principles are pretty time-worn and can fit any any group that he has. Yeah, I think I think that's one. And I think that's the thing I like most about this Magic and that makes me have the most faith in them is that Frank Vogel is such a good coach, uh, is such a guy who had a lot of successes, can coach a bunch of styles. And I'm a fan of what he did in Orlando. I'm a fan of what he can do with this Cavs team. So uh, I'm, I'm in on sort of those things. I'm, I'm buying them, maybe not as like a good team, but as some a, a team I think will be uh, kind of pretty interesting. So before we kind of wrap this up, um, let's just let's just go say each of us will give three ta- three uh, keys to the game for the teams that we cover. So you, the Magic, me, the Cavs. Uh, Philip, you just give me the three things. If the Magic are going to win this game, what do they have to do? They got they got to play really good defense. Um, they they need to they need to be solid on the defensive end, and uh, you know that's something that's been a, a continuing process throughout the season. Um, you know they need to look like the team that that we all kind of imagine that they'll be. Uh, the next thing they got to do is, I mean, it sounds like they got to they got to turn uh, those stops into transition points. Um, you know, I kind of said that the Magic have to run selectively against the Cavs, uh, but they've got to be able to to get across the timeline quickly and try and catch. Uh, Cleveland before their defense gets set. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean they're scoring in transition or getting fast break points, but you know if they can get a matchup where you know, Sir, you know Kyrie Irving is on Serge Ibaka's back, you know because of, of cross matches or you know Ch- you know even like a Channing Frye is on Nikola Vucevic's back, you know something something like that. They've got to take advantage of those matchups when they come, and they've got to uh, kind of beat the Cavs defense uh, down the floor so that they can create those mismatches. And the next thing they got to do is they've got to make three pointers. I mean, I think a lot of 
Uh, the concern with this Magic team is there's not enough shooting. Um, and so I think they're probably a better shooting team than people give them credit for, but that's maybe based on um, based on uh, uh, internal improvement. But they've they've got to be able to make three pointers and keep defenses honest to keep that keep that lane open. And and if they can make some threes early, especially. Uh, that can hopefully open some things up for Alfred Payton to squeeze his way into the paint or to set up post-ups for Vucevic or even Ibaka. Yeah, I think those are all pretty accurate. Um, I think I think Aaron Gordon is like probably the most important player in this game for yes. Orlando. Like I think just if you can even make a marginal impact on LeBron and do some things in offense, that would mean a lot. So uh, my three keys to the game, I think for one – um, I think the Cavs will have, the first thing is just an effort thing. It's like if they're going to win this game, they're going to have to come in and play with a focus and a level of effort uh, that, you know, we don't always see. And if they don't take the game seriously, that'll matter. Uh, number two, I, I think the backup point guard situation is something to just watch every game until it is sort of settled. Um, you need, I mean, you have to, you if you want to get LeBron and Kyrie rest in the regular season, you don't want to have to make the playoff move of staggering their minutes all the time. I think you really need you to to have comfort 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 in Amon Shumpert um, and or K Felder and playing the point in those minutes and them having success in those minutes. So I think that's certainly something to watch. And then I think the last thing is, uh, I think they're gonna ha- they're they're really gonna have to rebound the ball well against this team. Orlando mm-hmm. has a big front court, has guys that are good rebounders. Gordon's a pretty good rebounder, if I'm not mistaken, from his yes from his position. Um, and I think a Vogel team that rebounds well is gonna be can be tricky to beat. I'm going to think it's going to be big games from Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson on the boards would go a long way to making this the kind of game I think a lot of people expect the Cavs to have against this team because everything else will sort of work on how uh, much they're able to rebound the ball, control the pace of the game. Yeah, I think all those are, are pretty ac- pretty accurate. Um, you know, I, I, I do think the benches could, could play a big role because Orlando does have some scoring punch off their bench. They'll bring in Bismack Biombo with that second unit. It'll play a little bit with the first unit in the first quarter, but he'll largely be playing with that second unit. And, uh, you know, the Magic throughout the pre – I mean, it's just preseason, but the Magic did change the momentum and uh, feeling of some games with, with their second unit. And so that's that's I think that's actually a really going to be a really key part of this game is that beginning of the second quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, how long does – it take for the magic to force Cleveland to put their stars back in. Yeah, I think that's pretty good too. I think the one of that's. I think you actually just hit on something. I think that's really important. Uh, is how do how do teams make the Cavs put their stars back in? Um, can they overwhelm the bench units? Can they overwhelm the Kevin Love anchored bench units? Can they? And how long can they force them to uh, put? How long does it take them to force Kyrie and LeBron to come back in the game? and make them work for wins. I think that's something to watch all year. I think that's a really, really astute point. Um, so, Philip, this has been really fun. I'm looking forward to this game. Um, it should be an interesting one. I know it'll be cool to see in person. You'll see it on TV, but uh, it's been fun. We'll definitely have to do another one of these when our teams cross path again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the game as well. Um, hopefully it won't be as uh, painful as the other Ohio team that one of my teams will be facing earlier in the day. So wait, what's the what's the other what's the other matchup? Uh, I I am a I am a, a proud Northwestern alum, and so uh, the Wildcats will be taking on the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, earlier in the earlier in the day. So I'll be. Uh, in my Northwestern depression bubble as I watch, <laughs> watch the Magic uh, play the Cavs. As a, uh, as a Bobcat, um, I'm, I'm hoping that the Buckeyes lose to your, to your Wildcats. When I, I have a, f- a friend that I entered with uh, actually went through Northwestern, so I hope uh, for her sake and yours that <laughs> they win. Uh, and there's also an Athens High School uh, 
alum who went to uh, who plays at Northwestern, Trey Williams. I think he's a cornerback. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, he's out for the game. Wow. Yeah, didn't know. That's that's how much I. Because we need we need we need we need cornerbacks, and all of them are injured. <laughs> yeah, that'll ah college football, but uh, yeah. so but so best of luck to Northwestern and uh, best of luck to the Magic as well. It should be an interesting game on Saturday. Um, so for myself, for for Philip, for Lockdown Magic, for Lockdown Cavs, it's been another Lockdown crossover. Um, and for my listeners, and I think for Phillips as well, we'll talk to you again after the game is probably on Monday. Yep, I'll see you all then. Yep, talk to you guys soon. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. My thanks to Chris for inviting me on to his show for the Crossover Podcast. Be sure to check out Locked on Cavs. You can subscribe to that podcast on iTunes Audio on Audio Boom as well. Uh, give him a give him a rating, help him climb the rankings as you should with Locked on Magic. You can find us on Locked. You can find us and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio as well. Pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, you, you can find us. Uh, we'll hopefully uh, circle back around with Chris uh, after or the next time the Magic play the Cavs. As uh, you can probably tell, I'm not too optimistic about the Magic's chances in Cleveland, which is why, you know, I'm. It's not. There's no such thing as a must-win game this early in the season, but it would be nice to see the Magic pick up a win in Detroit. I think. I think it is possible. I think they can do it, uh, but they've got to play so much better than they did Wednesday, and, and certainly uh, to win Saturday, they've got to play a whole heck of a lot better and, and be pretty close to perfect because that Cleveland team is, I don't know if you know, but but you know they 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 caused the Warriors to blow a, a 3-1 lead uh, in the NBA Finals. Don't want to hold you all too long. I do want to just wrap up some quick news here, and that is uh, ESPN.com, or ESPN the Magazine, rather, uh, released their... Ultimate standing, ultimate rankings. It's a ranking of all the sports teams in the major four sports. So that's NBA, MLB, NFL, and NHL. And the Orlando Magic held pretty steady at 65 this year. It's a five spot improvement, uh, and they were number 17 among NBA teams. What I think is really interesting about these rankings is that they they climbed five spots almost entirely based on what what was written on uh, on. Uh, uh, on ESPN the magazine's write up on ESPN.com, uh, they they rise five spots almost completely because of Frank Vogel and that and you know I, I think Chris touched on a little bit on it on on the crossover podcast there uh, that Vogel has a lot of respect and people really really like Frank Vogel and what he brings to the Orlando Magic and the potential that he brings to the Orlando Magic for them to improve uh, and so uh, it's. It, it, there is certainly more optimism. I think Frank Vogel got one of the loudest cheers during opening night. That he's brought a lot of optimism and hope to this team, and so it doesn't surprise me, especially coming off of Scott Skiles, which which just just was a complete not a complete disaster because I do think the Magic accomplished some things last year, but it didn't work out well. It was clear it was heading toward disaster because that's how Scott Skiles' tenures end. Uh, but the Magic certainly got a big boost uh, on that front. The other places where they ranked really, really well, though, were uh, with their stadium. The Amway Center is ranked as the best stadium experience in the NBA, 26th overall in all of sports. 
Um, a big reason for that is the amenities. Uh, they have one of the largest jumbotrons in the league. Uh, the largest, I believe, by height, not width. Um, there, are, there are ones that are longer, but theirs is the tallest jumbotron in the league, uh, as well as the bars and uh, food options, the playground, the nightclub, all those things go into it, as well as the affordability. It's relatively affordable compared to the rest of the league and, and the rest of the sports leagues in general. So the Amway Center gets some some kudos for that. Uh, so we'll tip our cap to them as they help the Magic climb the rankings. Ultimately, what's going to help the Magic, and, and I think this is what's really interesting about this franchise, is if they were to get back into championship contention, they'd probably be one of the premier franchises uh, in all of sports. I mean, I think that seems pretty clear uh, by the direction these rankings are going. It's just you don't know what product you're going to see on the floor. So, you know, why are you spending, you know, 30 40 50 $60, $100, $100 to go see a game when you're not quite sure what you're seeing on the floor? And obviously the Magic are trying to fix that by making the playoffs, which a lot of people aren't quite sold that they can do quite yet. Uh, but it's, you know, it, there's 81 games to go. We'll see if we can change that and make those rankings better next year. Be sure to check out my write-up write on that on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. I'll post that to the Locked On Magic feed as well. We do have a Locked On Magic feed. You can follow it on Twitter at Locked On Magic. And we're also on Facebook where I'll post that as well as other uh, fun links as well on the Locked On Magic Facebook page. So be sure to like us on Facebook as well as we try to try to grow the following a little bit. And of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Leave us a five-star review as well as a rating uh, that helps us climb the rankings as the Locked On Podcast Network is, is the fastest-growing podcast network on iTunes, which which we're very proud of and, and want to see it continue to grow and see those Locked On logos uh, populate uh, the, the top the top 200 list on, on iTunes. Um, I, I've seen a few of them on there, so it's, it's very cool to see this network continue to grow, and, and I hope that you all are enjoying the show. I've gotten a lot of great feedback, and, and I appreciate that from you as well. Uh, just, just, just put pen to paper or, or hands to fingertips to, to keyboard and, and, and write that review on iTunes. I, I do appreciate that. With that shameless plug in mind, I'm going to, sh- to close the show off for the week. Thank you all for listening to Locked On Magic this week. I hope it's been a good one outside of Wednesday's game. Of course, uh, we'll have two games to go this weekend. We'll recap the, both those games coming up on the podcast on Monday. So we'll check you out then. For Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. We will see you all on Monday. Have a great weekend. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.